Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Lord God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you once again for Jesus. Thank you for that sacrifice. Thank you for the resurrection. Because he was raised from the dead, we can be justified. Oh, Father, I'd like to pray for a fresh filling of your spirit. I pray that I would decrease and you increase at this time. And I pray for every person in this building, Father, to have open and receptive hearts to whatever you want to speak into their lives that they'll also be open and receptive to the work that you desire to do in them and through them tonight and in the future, Father. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are in Mark chapter 12. We're going to cover verses 35 through 40. The title of the lesson is, Are You Listening? Are You Listening? Now, to listen means to hear something with thoughtful attention. Listening is an intentional act. Hearing is not. You're going to hear some things, whether you want to hear it or not. You're going to hear noise, whether you want to hear it or not. But to listen with thoughtful attention, of course, is intentional. And listening, by the way, is actually considered a skill by many people. And listening, of course, has many, many benefits. For example, listening could save a person from getting lost as they try to keep up with the plot of a movie or with the plot of a play. So you don't have to ask questions during the movie. Listening could determine whether you earn a starting spot on your sports team or not. Are you hearing the plays correctly? Are you listening to the plays? Are you able to execute? And so it can have that effect of whether you earn that starting spot. Listening could save a person some time and embarrassment of not having to ask the customer the same question over and over again because they didn't pay attention or they weren't listening. And so they don't have to ask that customer to repeat their situation before they can give them help. Listening, of course, if you're a husband tonight, could could prevent you from getting in trouble with your wife. Are you listening, husbands? I know personally, firsthand. (laughs) But we don't want to talk about me, do we? And listening, of course, could improve your ability to learn. Could improve your ability to learn. Now, in our lesson, what we're going to notice is that there's a group of people who actually wanted to listen to Jesus, our Savior, the Son of God. Although, if you remember the previous lessons, there were some enemies of Christ. There were people who did not want to listen to what he had to say. 
They wanted to take him off the scene. They wanted to find ways to entrap him. But there is a group who actually wanted to listen and listen to him. And we're going to get a chance to put our listening skills to the test as we pray about and as we see what God has for us in the text for tonight. And so I want to start with Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 and 42, just to get some blanks filled in before we start our main text in Mark 12. So in Matthew twenty-two forty-one, it says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them saying, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. And now we go to our main text in Mark 12, 35. Then Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, that is in the temple courts or in the temple complex. And how is it that the scribes say that the Christ or the Messiah is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. That is the place of greatest honor till I make your enemies your footstool. In other words, until I put your enemies under your feet. Therefore, in Mark 12, 37, David himself calls him Lord. How is he then his son? And the common people heard or listening or was listening to him gladly or with delight. Now, Jesus, on his way to clarifying something about the Messiah or about the Christ, he quoted from Psalm 110, verse 1, and he stated that David, King David, spoke by the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to know, and you may know this already, so this is going to be a reminder for some of you that anytime we speak by the Holy Spirit, we're going to always be correct. Because the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. And, and so what he shares with us and we share with others will always be correct but because we're speaking by the Spirit. And therefore, King David in Psalm 110 verse 1 was correct. And what he said, that the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. He was correct, speaking by the Spirit. But now, what did King David speak by the Holy Spirit while he was under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, he calls the Messiah his Lord. Messiah is from the Hebrew. Christ, of course, is from the Greek. He calls him Lord. And what was unusual about that is because it was the son who would normally give honor to the father. See, a father in that culture would not call his son Lord. But in that verse, Psalm 110, verse 1, and Jesus again quoted from it, we see the forefather, David, giving honor to his descendant. And his descendant, of course, in this case is Jesus. Now, the Jewish religious leaders 
they did not show Jesus the same kind of respect because they didn't recognize who he is. David, speaking by the Spirit, knew who the Messiah is or would be. The Lord said to my Lord. Now, the scribes technically were correct in saying that the Christ or the Messiah is the son or the descendant of King David. But Jesus is more than King David's physical descendant. He's more than that. He is God. In other words, the Messiah, Jesus, is both human and God. So in one person, in one individual, you have a divine nature and you have a human nature. And so this Jesus, this Messiah was bigger than what these scribes, than what the Jewish religious leaders thought. And that brings me to the question to ask. And the question is, how big is your Jesus? Is your Jesus only a human descendant of King David? Is he only just a man? Is he just a great teacher? Is he just a person who had good morals and values? Was Jesus just a prophet? Was Jesus just some political leader? Was Jesus just a priest? Was Jesus just a human leader who had some followers that we call disciples? How big is your Jesus? Or is your Jesus the son of God? Is your Jesus God in the flesh? Is your Jesus the light of the world? Is he the word of God? In other words, is he the living word? Is your Jesus the bread of life? Is your Jesus the door? Is your Jesus the way, the truth, and the life? Is your Jesus the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end? Is your Jesus the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? Because if that's your Jesus, then that is the Jesus of the Bible, and that is the Jesus that I serve. So how big is your Jesus? Is he just someone who's, who's, who only died on the cross, was never resurrected? No, the scriptures told us that he rose from the dead. And that's validation that his sacrifice was accepted by the Father. It proves that Whatever he said about himself is true. Put a stamp on that. He is God. The Jesus that I know is the great physician. He's the one who's able to walk on water. He's the one who's able to heal the blind and cast out demons. That's the Jesus that we serve. And so we don't settle for less when TV shows or news anchors or literature, whatever it may be, Lower who our Jesus is. You see, these Jews, these religious Jews, they lowered who he was. And Jesus was trying to get them to expand their minds about who the Messiah really is. He's just not the human descendant of King David. And so that's one thing that King David shared as he spoke by the Holy Spirit in Psalm 110 verse 1. 
But if you also look at those verses, he also shared that the Lord, that is Yahweh or God the Father, was going to make all of Jesus' enemies his footstool. Notice he said the Lord, and it's in all caps, meaning Yahweh. Some pronounce it Yehovah or Jehovah. That's speaking of God the Father. The Lord said to my Lord. And so he also shared that, that Jesus... He's going to have all of his enemies under his feet because God was going to make his enemies his footstool. In other words, all of his enemies will one day be defeated and be made subject to the authority of Jesus. And one day we're going to see all of the loose ends tied up when Satan is cast into the lake of fire. And that's, of course, after the 1,000-year reign of Christ. That, and we call that the millennial kingdom. So after that, Satan is going to be released again. And he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And he's going to join that false prophet. He's also going to uh, join the Antichrist who's going to be there during that time. And then there's going to be that great white throne judgment. And after that great white throne judgment, it says that death and Hades are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Hades is where the unbelieving dead go. Death itself will be cast into the lake of fire again. And what we want to do is is read some scriptures here. We want to read 1 Corinthians in the 15th chapter. We want to look at verses 24 through 28. Because it's going to give uh, more information about what we're talking about here, about uh, God the Father putting all of Jesus' enemies under his feet, making them his footstool. In 1 Corinthians 15, 24, it says, Then comes the end when he, speaking of Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. And so, of course, that's going to be after the 1,000-year reign of Christ. That's going to be after Satan is cast into the lake of fire and death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire. And then you're talking about that eternal kingdom, the eternal state where there's going to be new heavens and, and a new earth. And it says in verse 25, for he must reign. Jesus must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And notice the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he, speaking of the father, who put all things under Jesus, that's the second him, is accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the son himself, God, the son himself will also be subject to the father who put all things under him. That God may be all in all. In other words, that God may be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. So everything that God prophesied, you know, all the enemies that God has. All the kingdoms that stand against God, all of that will be destroyed. Everything is going to be wrapped up. And as I mentioned earlier, all the loose ends will be tied up and Jesus will deliver that eternal kingdom to the father. No more enemies to defeat in the eternal state. 
No more opposition to the rule of God in the eternal state. Revelation 21 and 22, if you want to read that ahead, ahead of time, or I should have said ahead of time last week. But if you want to go back and review that, Revelation 21 and 22, no more opposition to his rule in that state. Some call it the eternal order. No more kingdoms, only God's kingdom. That'll be it. In Mark 12, verses 38 through 40, it says, Then he said to them in his teaching, Beware or be cautious of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes. They love um, greetings in the marketplaces, those respectful greetings. That's what they loved. They loved, in verse 39, the best seats in the synagogues. The synagogues, by the way, was the place where the Jews would gather to worship they, they gathered to be taught the word of God and, and, and they prayed there. They also loved the best places at the feasts. That's what these scribes loved. These were the teachers of the law of Moses or the Mosaic law. In verse 40, it says, who devour widows' houses. In other words, these Jewish religious leaders, they cheated widows out of their property. And for a pretense or for show, they they made long prayers. Jesus says these will receive greater condemnation or harsher punishment or judgment. And so, again, this is another verse that will support that there are degrees of punishment in hell. That, of course, will be based on not the knowledge that a person has received. And so what are they doing with that knowledge? And so the more they know, the more they're responsible for. And if they don't obey, they'll be beaten with many stripes, the scriptures tell us. But now in Luke 20, 45, we find out um, more about the audience. Because, yes, we know that a crowd was there. But, again, he was talking to his disciples as well. And as he spoke with his disciples, as Luke 20, 45 tells us, that the people heard and they listened as well. And what Jesus told them, not only the disciples, but also the crowd, he told them to watch out for the scribes, beware of the scribes, these religious leaders, these teachers of the Mosaic law. And then Jesus would go on to describe their habits and their habits would reveal their character. And so what habits do you have tonight? What habits do you have? And, and it goes to show that if you have certain habits, it shows your character. And so if you have bad habits, you want to surrender that to the Lord and get some good habits. Because you want to reveal that your character is more like Christ. And so that has to be a change. That's from the inside out. But, but one of the things that this showed about their character is that they were attention seekers. The scribes were attention seekers. They were seeking the attention from men. See, they wanted to be recognized for their religious and their social status. In fact, they care more about their status than about their relationship with God. They care more about their status than loving people. In fact, Matthew 23, 7 says that 
that they love these type of greetings in the marketplaces. They love to be called rabbi, rabbi, teacher, teacher. They love that title, love the attention from men, love their status, but not necessarily God nor the people. The scriptures tell us that they even made long prayers just for show. The question is, do we care more about promotion? Do we care about position than about serving others? Are we like these scribes and having that type of attitude? We really have to evaluate that. Evaluate whether or not we're really in the faith. Evaluate whether or not we have a Christ-like attitude toward God the Father and toward the people whom he loves. And are we concerned more about a title in the church? Are we concerned more about a title in the world than the title child of God? I'll take that title child of God any day over doctor or pastor. It is a blessing to be called a child of God because we don't deserve anything. What we deserve was hellfire. We deserve condemnation. But Jesus, of course, took our place. And like the song says that I am thankful for the scars. Those scars remind us once again of the love that God has for us while we were yet sinners. He sent his son to die for us. Jesus Christ became our sin offering so that we'll be made the righteousness of God in him. We can be declared righteous. In other words, we will have a right standing with God because of Jesus, because he dealt with the sin problem. And praise God. For Jesus, And so we are privileged, we are truly blessed to be called a child of God, to be able to even have that opportunity. And unfortunately, some people are not taking advantage of that opportunity to become a child of God. Because to become a child of God, you have to be born again. You repent. It means a change of mind. You turn from your sin. You turn to God. You put your faith in him. And that's how you become born into the family of God. We must be born again, Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And that word is true for us today. So if you're in the building or if you're watching right now or at a later time listening to the sermon, have you been born again? Are you a child of God? And are we concerned with just looking like we're spiritual to get attention from people instead of being right with God? You see, these religious leaders, these, these scribes, they, they made these long prayers for pretense, for show, wanted people to think that they were super spiritual or religious, some type of super saint. But it was all, again, for show. So are we concerned with getting a pat on the back from man? Or are we more concerned with being in tune with God? Even if that prayer is only 30 seconds. Is that what we're more concerned with? And just to let you know, the praise that counts It's not the praise that comes from people, but the praise that counts is the praise that comes from God. Oh, it's more of a blessing. And and, and yes, we take the compliments. We praise God for the compliments. But we don't want to get big headed. But 
But really what, what matters and what should matter to, to each of us is to hear one day our Savior, our God, tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you a ruler over many things. That's the praise we should want to hear, the praise that comes from God. But also, as far as the character of the, the scribes were concerned, Based on the details that Jesus gives, the scribes, of course, were full of pride. They were proud. In other words, they thought higher of themselves than they ought to have done. They had self-esteem on steroids, as I've said before. They were full of pride. They also cared more about the outward appearance instead of the inward change. If you want to read that in Matthew chapter 23. Are they... They just cared about the rituals. They were doing the right things. They, they were doing what looked good on the outside. So people could think that they were super cool, super spiritual. But the inside were like dead men's bones. It was filthy. Filthy on the inside. And so are we like that? Are we focused more on the rituals? Are we focused more on duties just outwardly serving maybe cleaning up around the church and doing some good things like that and maybe even giving tithes and offerings a large amount are we focused more on those things than on really being right with God see we need to be cleansed from the inside out we need to be born again But we also saw that these scribes took advantage of the weak. They took advantage of the less fortunate. These were the people they were supposed to be helping, but they were taking advantage of them. In verse 40, as it tells us that they devoured widows' houses. They devoured widows' houses. One Bible scholar says that ancient historians say that some frauds attempted to trick widows out of their inheritance by outwardly pretending religiosity in order to earn the woman's trust or the women's trust. And these men would then gain permission to steward the women's finances all to line the scribes pockets. So in other words, they pretended that the money was for the Lord in order to cheat these widows. So, but Jesus, God the Father, cares about those who are in a less fortunate position. God cares about the vulnerable. And so it says in Psalm 68, verse 5, that God is a father of the fatherless. That will be the orphans. And he is a defender of the widows. Is God in his holy habitation or dwelling place. This is the God that we serve. And if the God we serve is a defender of widows and the father of the fatherless, if he cares for them, then so should we. In fact, James chapter one, verse 27 says the following. It says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their troubles, in their distress, in other words, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world, not to be influenced by the world, but to visit those who are 
the vulnerable. Why? Because God loves them, because God cares for them. And we have the heart of the father when we care for those who are the vulnerable, who are less fortunate, when we care for the fatherless and the widows. But, but these scribes here, these religious leaders, they were taking advantage of these widows and their property. And so overall, these, the, these people were hypocrites. And Jesus straight out called them that in, in other verses. And so what we want to do is look at Matthew 23 and take a look at verses 2 and 4 in that chapter. Now, Jesus spoke the following to the crowd and his disciples in these verses. He, he said, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So they sit in the seat of authority as teachers of the law. And Jesus said, therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. For they bind or they tie up heavy burdens or loads that are hard to bear, that are hard to carry, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves would not move them with one of their fingers. And so they put these heavy religious burdens, even adding their own traditions to the law. They put those on people. They make it super strict for them. The people can't carry it. You know, we can't be good on our own. And then when you add the tradition of men, it's really going to be impossible to keep everything. And so that's what they did to people put burdens upon them. They didn't make it lighter. They didn't make their load lighter. And they were hypocrites. And I wonder tonight if we tell other people what the word says, but we ourselves don't do it. Do we say the right things? Do we tell people the right things in our workplace, in our schools, in our homes? When we gather together with our families, do we tell them that, oh, based on the word of God, this is a sin? Or do we tell them based on the word of God, this is right and this is what you ought to be doing, but we ourselves are not doing them? And I just want to submit to you that if you are a parent and you have children in the home, those children, they pick up on that. They pick up on the hypocrisy. And then when they come to church, oh, they're not feeling God. They don't want anything to do with God because the people who always tell them about God and the Bible are living hypocritical lives at home. And so are we being like many of these scribes here? We tell people the right thing to do. We tell them what the word says, but we don't do it ourselves. You see, these religious folks, these these Jewish religious leaders who had wrong priorities and who were full of pride and hypocrisy, they did not listen to Jesus. They didn't listen to him. But we, but we see in the scriptures in verse 37 that the common people did. The people who weren't in those high religious positions, they listened to Jesus and not just listened to him but it says that they listen gladly to him. They listen with delight 
as he spoke, as he spoke the words of truth. But isn't that true today that it's the religious people who are set in their ways, who give you the hardest time or seem to be less willing to listen? Isn't that even true today? And the question is, are we being like the Pharisees or the scribes or are we being like the common people today? So what I'm really getting at is, are we listening to the Lord? Are we listening gladly to the word of God? And maybe listening to the Lord comes by way of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe listening to the Lord comes by the direct reading of the scriptures that we find in the Bible. Or maybe it's from the teaching of biblical truth from someone who's called to teach the word of God. Or someone God brings into your life to share the word of God with you. Are we listening to the Lord and are we listening with delight? Are we listening gladly? Are we being like the common people in the lesson? Are we being... Like the scribes, are we leaving our guard up and not listening just because we don't like the biblical point of view versus tradition versus what the culture is saying, what the culture is teaching? Are we leaving our guard up? And not listening to the Lord and shutting out the Lord, shutting out the Holy Spirit Shutting out what's being said in the scripture, what's being said from someone who's teaching us the scriptures. Are are we shutting it out because we're proud, full of pride like the scribes, like many of these religious leaders? Or maybe we just like the fact that we're mad and we don't want to hear anything that's going to get us out of this anger. We're just so satisfied in our anger. We just love being mad, mad at the world, mad at how everything is going. And so when biblical truth is is shared to point you to the big picture, maybe you have your arms folded, symbolizing that your guard is up and not listening because of that. Maybe it's because you're stubborn and we all could be stubborn. Or could it be that we don't want to admit that we were wrong? Is that why our guard is up? Is that why we're not listening? Or at least some of us. So if we would be listening to the Lord, I guarantee that there would be less confusion. I guarantee that there would be more understanding of the times and of the time that we're living in right now. There would be more understanding of that. We were listening to the Holy Spirit. We were listening to the Lord. Our eyes will be more focused on him. We will have more clear direction in our lives. If we were listening to him, if we were in tune to the Holy Spirit. But some of us, we we have our guard up. We're not listening. We're being full of pride and, and anger. And we have other ideas of how things should be. But we really can't grow as believers. I'm speaking to us believers at this point. If we won't admit our faults. 
if we won't, don't want to listen to the Lord who's trying to point out something to us. And we get to that place where we don't want to admit our faults, then we're going to be stunted in our spiritual growth. And, our, and the goal of spiritual growth, by the way, is to become more like Christ. And, and that's through the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can't grow if we won't listen to the Lord. We can't grow if we won't listen to biblically based truth. But instead, some of us would rather listen to other sources. We would rather listen to what this news station or that news station is talking about and and base some of our beliefs on that, base some of our hopes on that, base our truth on that. Or maybe what this self-help book tells us. We'd rather listen to those other sources, but in doing that and not listening to the truth and taking it in for the purpose of applying it, there will not be any growth in our lives as believers. But just as Jesus warned the people about the hypocritical religious leaders of the day. Are we listening to his warnings that he gives us through the word? Because he again, he gave the people warnings about these scribes. He gave the crowd warnings. He gave gave the disciples warnings. He's given us warnings. Are we listening to those warnings that he gives us through the word? That he gives us through the Holy Spirit. And that he gives us through his people. Because God is sharing with us today that there's some false narratives and some false doctrines that are out there. And not just today, but in the past. There's some false teachings. There's some things people trying to pass as truth and it's not. But are we in tune with the Holy Spirit? But in regard to the unbelievers right now who figuratively have their arms folded and they're guarded and not listening right now. If you're an unbeliever, I just want to share with you that nobody can be saved if they rather hold on to pride. If they rather hold on to their position. See, Jesus says that if you lose your life your own ambitions for yourself, then what you're going to really gain is your life. But some people want to hold on to their position. They want to hold on to the way that they do things. And a person can't be saved that way if you want to hold on to the old you, to the old way, to the comfortable way. Want to hold on to your status and hold on to the stubbornness instead of admitting faults, instead of repenting, instead of giving your lives over to what I would call new management. The new management, of course, would be management under Jesus Christ, who is more than able to be a wonderful manager. For he is, by the way, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is God, and he knows how to rule well. He is wise, and he could do much more with our lives than we can with our own lives. And some of us think we're doing a good job. If you haven't put your faith in Christ right now, you may think you're doing a good job by managing your own life. And you're satisfied with that. And because you're you're satisfied with how you run the business of your life, you're not 
turning it over to the Lord right now. But the days are short. And the time is drawing near for Christ to come back for his church. And you don't want to be left behind to what's going to take place and see what's going to take place. You don't want to experience that. And so we offer this opportunity to you if you're an unbeliever, if you never put your faith in Christ, we offer this opportunity to you to repent and put your faith in him, the one who died for your sins and was raised from the dead. But no, some of us like how we run the business of our own life, so we refuse to turn it over to him. And, and to use a medical example, some people won't receive medical attention spiritually because they don't know they're sick. This is actually an example that Jesus used in Luke 5, verses 31 and 32. Now, for the context here, Jesus is responding to the scribes and the Pharisees who asked his disciples why they were eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. And so Jesus said to them, those who are well have, need of a, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, they weren't righteous because they were really righteous and had a right standing with God. He's talking about the self-righteous, like the Pharisees and scribes and the other religious leaders of the day, self-righteous. And there's some people who are self-righteous now. They think that they're good with God, that they're going to earn their way into heaven. But it's the people who understand that they are poor managers of their lives. It's people who understand that they are sick and they need a physician. It is those people who are going to truly repent and put their faith in Christ and truly receive that spiritual healing. Because we're all sick with sin and we need deliverance. So the worship team comes to the stage. But just to get to the other side of that, of of listening, because maybe some of you are good with listening. Maybe some of you have been using discernment. And so maybe that is not an issue with you. You're saved already. But maybe some of you right now have been witnessing to people or trying to teach the word of God to other people. And at this point of the game, you're a little discouraged because they don't seem to be listening. So maybe you're on that side of it where you're not the listener, but you're sharing the gospel and trying to teach others the word of God and people in your family who you care deeply about, friends you care deeply about who are not saved or maybe they are saved. But they need to grow just like we all do, but they're not listening. And maybe you're a little discouraged with that. Because they're not like the common people in the lesson who were listening to Christ gladly. Oh, they're not listening to you gladly like these people listen to Christ in the lesson. So maybe you're discouraged tonight and and maybe you're at that point where you don't want to share anything with them anymore. Maybe your heart is growing cold towards those people or that person you've been witnessing to or trying to minister to by teaching them the word of God. But I want to share with you that until we go home, 2 Timothy 4 verses 2 through 4 is our goal. 
And our goal is what the Apostle Paul told the young pastor Timothy. He says to, to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season. He, he says to convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to tolerate sound doctrine, healthy doctrine from the Bible, the word of God. That time is going to come. And you see that that time is coming. You see more and more of that today. But it says, according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up or multiply for themselves teachers. People who are going to scratch their itch. People or teachers who are going to tell them what they want to hear. Those are the teachers they're going to gather to themselves. Not people who are teaching sound or spiritually healthy doctrine. They're going to turn their ears away from the truth. They're not going to listen in other words. They're going to be turned away or turned aside to fables or myths. So even though you're not a pastor, oh, that's just for Timothy. That's that's just for for you all, you all who are in leadership, even though you may not be in leadership, you may not be a teacher who stands up on the stage or a teacher in the Sunday school class. You can still share the gospel. You can still teach the word of God to others in a one-on-one situation. So still do that. So The encouragement tonight is to continue to share the gospel with people who don't seem to be listening. There does come a point, by the way, where God will show you not to cast your pearls before swine. It does get to that point. But until then, continue to share the gospel. Not just when it's convenient, but when it's inconvenient. Not just in season, but also out of season. Continue to share the gospel and teach the word of God, not just when you feel like it, but when you don't feel like it. Don't just share the gospel and teach the word of God when you're in a safe place, but also when you're not in a safe place. Teach the word of God. Preach the word in season and out of season, the scriptures tell us. Oh, don't be discouraged because the first person didn't want to hear you. The first person put a hand up in your face. The, 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 the next person turned around and almost backhanded you and you had to dodge to get out of the way. Because you're sharing the truth with them in love. But continue to convince. That means to correct. Continue to rebuke. That means to point out the wrong. Continue to exhort. That means what? To encourage. Do it all with long suffering, the scripture said. In other words, that means with patience, continue to do that. Because guess what? Yes, you may come across somebody who, who are not going to be open, who are not going to be those quote unquote ripe apples ready to receive Jesus. But guess what? You might just come across that person who will listen. Just like these common people in the scriptures tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are and what you are to us. Help us, Lord, to be better listeners, to be more in tune to your Holy Spirit. May your voice reign supreme in our lives. 
And may it crowd out the other voices that may be teaching falsehoods. Your voice, Lord, is what really matters. And Lord, those of us who have the opportunity to share the gospel and to teach the word of God, help us to do it faithfully. Help us to speak by the spirit as the lesson told us that King David did. He spoke by the spirit. Because if we do that, we'll always be right. And we'll always share a timely word. And for those of us who have been sharing. And we have been getting rejected by this person or that person. Help us to be encouraged to continue to preach the word. To continue to do it, especially in these days that we're in, Father. Help us to be faithful in that. Give us an extra dose of boldness for these days, Father. Help us to not uh, accept the taunts and the voice of the enemy who wants us to quit doing what we're doing and sharing your word, whether it's with a large group or a small group or on a one-on-one basis with a person. And Father, I pray that you bless my brothers and sisters tonight and that you'll equip them for whatever's coming up ahead, Lord, whether it's tomorrow, this week, or later on this year, Lord. May you equip us all. Help us to be the people you called us to be, Lord. And I pray that you bless them with traveling grace on their way back home. That you'll be glorified in their homes, be glorified in their lives, be glorified, Lord, in their ministries. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming out. May God bless you. May God keep you. And my prayer for you is that God will set up a divine appointment for you to talk to at least one person about the word of God. And he's faithful to do it. He's faithful to do it. It may be a text that you get late at night. It may be a phone call that you get as you're driving to work or some people work from home. But it may be a phone call that disrupts your day. But see it as a divine appointment. Amen. So we love you and God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.